Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And today on the podcast, we're going to the home of the Buckeyes. We're going all the way to Ohio. And we're going to be talking to, I guess we're going to be talking with Patrick. Patrick Donadio. Sage of the stage, guide by your side. Plenty of things that he's known by. So I've known Patrick for a long time. One, one story I didn't tell there was... When we were, when I was working with him on his book and he was talking to me about my business, I don't know, 10 plus years ago, one time I just happened to be traveling to Florence before Zoom was cool. I called him on Zoom from the middle of Florence in front of the fake David statue in that, in that uh, square there. And just, just a random memory. But I've known him for a long time. Patrick is a remarkable individual. I gotta say, I, you shouldn't choose favorites, but uh, this is a pretty darn good episode. Yeah, so we cover a lot of ground. We cover a lot of business stuff at a really high level that if you're a speaker or a coach, you really need to listen to the center part of this interview where Patrick tells you exactly how to be successful. At the end of the interview, we talk about nuns. Yeah, <laughs> nuns. Some nonsense, yeah. So, if you're a speaker or a coach, actually listen to this. It's probably better value for you than a, you know, one of those business bro courses that costs you five grand or ten grand. Listen to this, this half an hour, whatever it might be, forty minutes. Remarkable. So let's go straight to our interview with Patrick Donadio. Great to see you, Patrick. I mean, I've seen you a lot. I've known you for quite a long time, but I do have to kind of paint a picture of of who you are for the audience here since they can't see you. Handsome fella, probably 26, 27, you know, chiseled, kind of square jaw, uh, Italian. I get that right? Yeah, so far, except (laughs) the age, I'm 25. (laughs) Okay. So I remember the first time I met you, it's still a unique experience, maybe 15 years ago, whenever it was, you at a conference, a speaker's conference, you were walking from table to table to the, not the attendees, not, not any of the privileged elite, but to the folks who were exhibiting their shit. And I had a table full of chocolate. You came up and you said, hey, what do you do? And you actually cared. And, um, you know, I since then, you've been a great mentor and friend and appreciate that. But a redirect from all that nice stuff Tell us about the painful present or the, the you know, the, the pain points of what you've been dealing with for however many years you've been in business, five or six. Yeah, right. Well, this is actually, believe it or not, my 35th year. And I did start fairly young. I was seven. No, I'm not really. I was I was actually 28. So you can do the math. But it's been it's been a great ride. But I've been through some ups and downs, as you may know. You know, I've been through 2008 when there was a huge right? Big recession and had a huge impact in my business at the time. You know, as people may guess, I am a professional speaker and executive coach. And we had a a big, big uh, departure of a lot of folks in 2008 from the speaking industry. So again, in the last 18 months, it's been another big, big transition. Although this one, I think, is even bigger in many ways. Uh, And the biggest challenge, I think, is for most people is just getting used to not having the ability to interact interpersonally. 
And as both of you know, that's one of the things that makes for a great thought leader is somebody who can not only impact the person's mind, but also, you know, their, their relationship. So that's been a big challenge. And I jumped right in back in March of 2020. I was one of the first clients to go with a couple of my folks on virtual, and we had to figure that out together. And luckily for me, I have done, you know, podcasts and TV and radio in the past. So it wasn't as a big a transition for me as other folks. But it's been a rough ride. And I hope a lot of people are having some hope these days because uh, there is a little bit of hope coming. So back in the beginning, before stumbling into the speaking industry, how did you cut your teeth? What was the, the first thing out of high school? What, what did you want to be? Well, actually, in high school, I was hosting a cable TV show. Uh, this is, again, fairly new. It was called Schools on View, and I was a host at the local school. So I wanted to be a radio TV guy. I wanted to get into broadcasting. I went to Ohio University, undergrad degrees, radio, television, uh, did a lot of radio work. And uh, I got a face of radio. That's why it's great that we're not having a video on today. As you mentioned, uh, yeah, I'm kind of chiseled, but in all the wrong places. <laughs> so, But I did start out, again, with an idea of wanting to be in broadcasting, got a great opportunity to work on air during college, and took a job afterwards at the university where I was teaching undergraduates. And so I got a great start at using my communication skills and moved quickly from the university to a state association where I talk about a risk taker. That's kind of been my, my journey. I've been a little bit of a risk taker. I took a job with this universe, with this association. We had a one-year guaranteed grant for $123,000 in addition to my salary. And I had to put a program together from scratch. And if got renewed. I had a job. If it didn't, I didn't. And so very early on, I learned all about how to create workshops and seminars and travel around the state doing programs. And so I got a great opportunity to cut my teeth. And I just encourage people who are listening, if you want to be a thought leader, you also have to be a, a thought taker. You have to go out and take some risks because you can't really develop your own leadership ideas if you're not actually taking action. So then from there, I quickly got promoted to an executive director and because I was doing a great job and my boss left. And what I found out very quickly is I didn't like being the executive director. I missed being the program trainer and the person out there doing all the shaking hands and kissing babies. I didn't kiss any babies. But so um, at the age of 28, I woke up one day, went into work and I just couldn't take it. I said, I hate this job. I don't want to be here. And I just decided I had hired speakers as a director. I'd hired some speakers to speak at our conferences. In fact, one of the speakers I hired do you remember the movie Catch Me If You Can came out not too long ago? Abernathy, right? Yeah. The gentleman is Frank Abagnale. Abagnale. And uh, I hired him as a speaker to speak at our conference. He was really good. But my point was, I was hiring speakers thinking, this is easy. I could do this. These guys make a lot of money. They're not that great. Frank was good. Frank Abagnale was really good. So I quit my job. Again, another risk taker. Jumped out as an entrepreneur and had no idea. I thought I knew what I was doing. I had no idea first couple of years, I really didn't make a lot of money. I was single. I like mac and cheese. So it wasn't a big deal. Uh, and started my business. And that's kind of the quick, dirty story about how I got into this whole entrepreneur thing. Randy, before you ask a smart question, I'll ask a stupid one. The, the expression, cut your teeth on something, that's a little weird, right? Think about that. Like, I cut my teeth. What does that mean? What a weird concept. Yeah. Anyway, just... Yeah. It's like babies, right? When babies cut their teeth, right? They, they start out kind of having a lot of pain and the teeth are coming in and eventually, you know, they show up. But in the meantime, it's pretty painful. That's my analogy. And I'm sticking to it. So, Patrick, I'm going to ask a smart question that Kent wasn't able to ask. 
I love the introduction when Kent talked to you about your chiseled features, and I'm trying to connect that to your career, which is like, you know, if you think about a chisel and, and the way you work it with wood, you're cutting away the wood to create something different. Mm -hmm. And your career has gone through, it's been directionally similar, but gone through a number of stages where you've been chiseling away to get to where you are today. Yes. So my question is this. When I scratch the internet today, I find literally 56,700 coaches who are all, you know, 30 years of age and they're all touting themselves as life coaches or business coaches or whatever. They've read a couple of books. They think life is good. And, and of those 56,700, there's 29,800 of them tell me that they are speakers. Is everybody who is a coach capable of being a speaker, and should they be? Yeah, that, that is a smart question, Randy. And I will tell you that, first of all, I think communications is a great, great fundamental skill. And I, I want to just do a quick pet peeve. I hate when people say it's a soft skill because it's not a soft skill. To me, it's a core competency. And so your question about is every you know coach can every coach be a speaker? Listen, every speaker cannot be a coach and every coach cannot be a speaker. Now, some people can do both, but the secret is you have to know the intention of what your role is. And as Kent knows, because he's helped me with my book, Communicating with Impact, the first step in my process is what's the intention? So I'm going to give you some of my favorite phrases for people that are listening that may want to think about being a speaker or may want to be a coach or may want to hire a speaker or may want to hire a coach. Here's a kind of a quick key phrase. When I'm speaking, and I've you know spoken to you know thousands of people over the last uh, 35 years, whether it be in a you know big large event with you know 5,000 people or 10, I am what I call the sage on the stage, and I'm the person there who's going to give you wisdom and ideas, and I'm going to impart my knowledge. But when I'm the coach, I'm the guide by the side. I got to take off all that wisdom and knowledge, and I have to put it aside. And now I have to be the person that's going to work with you and help you walk through the process. And a lot of people can't do both. And I will say with, to you both that I couldn't do both well when I started. Because as an extrovert, you know, my natural tendency is to want to be a talker. And uh, by the way, just to keep the risk-taking theme, um, I started coaching back in 1995 before there was International Coach Federation. And I jumped out again. And I was on a flight back from California reading a magazine in the Delta magazine on the airport on the airline. And I noticed this little story about coaching, and I thought to myself, well, that's interesting. So when I came back to Ohio, the next time I did a workshop, I said to the clients, look, you know, if after the workshop you need someone to do some coaching, I'd be open to that. I'm starting to do some coaching. I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that it was another revenue source. Again, being young and being naive, which I think is a good thing for, for thought leaders sometimes, is, you know, to be imperfect, to, to uh, take the risk. Well, I took a risk, and unfortunately or fortunately, after the workshop, which for a law firm, they said, you know, we want to take you up on your coaching. Actually, we have two of our partners we'd like you to coach. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay. On the inside, I'm thinking, oh, my God. On the outside, I'm thinking, okay. And I cut my teeth. There's that phrase again, Kent. Literally coaching the partners of this huge law firm. I had no idea what I was doing, but I figured it out. So every speaker can't be a coach. Every coach can't be a speaker. But if you want to be both. You really have to know what your intention is when you're doing it. That's awesome. As, as the, um, the side of our operation that likes to kind of, let's say, talk about the brand or whatever, <laughs> the shiny objects, I saw an, a fun little shiny object in there. The sage on the stage and the, what was the other one? The, the coach. Guide by your the side. Guide by your side. So 
canned versus fresh the conversation so one of the things working with speakers now for quite a while at least part of my time uh, and having many conversations with you among other things a lot of speakers are canned and those are in some ways those are wines that you that you you put in a jar 15 years ago and you kind of bring them out as needed but you're putting them in a, into a fresh context you're you're being you know you're, you're just speaking yourself but with a little bit of that canned stuff, because you don't want to always have to, I don't know, pickle the ginger or whatever. Uh, right. <laughs> so what's, what are your thoughts on sort of in communication, when to be canned, when to have, you know, a keynote that's the same every time versus extempore, right? Did yes. I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That sounded French to me, but. <laughs> uh, well, you know, Kent, our whole conversation today is extemporaneous, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't have, I had no idea. I asked you a couple of questions before we started and really didn't get a lot of direction. But I do know this, that I'm very good at knowing my specialty and I know what I do well. And that's what thought leaders should be doing is staying in their lane. And so I have my key talking points and, you know, I don't know what stories I'm going to share. Some of these stories I think I haven't shared in years, but I'm being present. I'm listening carefully. I'm hearing what you're asking, and I'm thinking about what information could best deliver value to our listeners. So being extemporaneous to me is kind of a misnomer because I call these planned extemporaneous remarks. So I have an idea I want to share. I have you know, the ability to be canned, but I don't want to be canned. So what I do is I'm present, I listen, and then I put the puzzle together as I follow along. I don't know if that makes sense. So would you say it's more like Leonard Skinner's solos that were rehearsed, or is it more like classical music that's performed on stage? You know, I think it's more like jazz. I think jazz is in between. Now, you're, now you're a musician, Ken, so you know more about this than I do. But when you go to the symphony, you every time you go to the symphony, you listen to Wagner. I mean, it's pretty much the same song, right? I mean, I mean, you can pick Beethoven, any of those folks. Uh, now, when you go to a live concert. And ironically, I, I could pick anybody, but I just happen to be, uh, I'm listening to SiriusXM and Billy Joel has his own channel now, Channel 70. And I, I was listening to Billy and I'll hear him do a live version of the song. And I love it because he doesn't do it exactly the same. So I think a hybrid is really important. But here's the key. You have to have a foundational view, a foundational thought process of what you believe to be true and what you know to be true based on your experience. Now, the word true, again, I don't, maybe that's not the correct word, but uh, but you have to come from- Kids are saying that, like your truth, right? It's- Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It has to be your truth. So I think it's, I think it's more like jazz. I mean, you, you know that there are certain things you want to do, but there are also the ability to be flexible and be present. And I, I say this word many times, and I want to keep saying it, the word presence. That's the secret to being a great communicator and a great coach. You, if you want to memorize your speech, you can't be present. In my opinion. So, Patrick, I absolutely love what you're saying. I love the being present. I love the whole can versus directionally knowing what you want to say. But I want to talk about business for a minute. So you've built multiple businesses, marketing, advertising, all that has changed over that 30-year career. So what advice would you give to people today who are starting into either the speaking or the coaching business about where they should be putting their effort and where they should be seeking other people's expertise because obviously no individual knows everything. Yes. But we're taught and we hear 
a lot about, you know, hustle and grind and become good at everything. Wondering about your thoughts there and where they should, where people should be looking. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing about being in business is the key, the key word is business, right? I mean, I know a lot of people who say they, oh, I'm really good at communicating. I'd love to be a speaker. And I've had coffee with folks over the last 30 some years. I can't tell you how many people I've had coffee with who don't understand. Yeah, that's great. Anybody could be a speaker, but not everybody could be in the speaking business. So that's a very good question, Randy. You have to think about the business. And here's the secret about being in business. You have to figure out, do you have something you can offer that people are willing to pay for? You can offer a lot of things, but if people aren't willing to pay for it, then you're not going to be in business. So, so number one, anybody wanting to get in business has to first identify what value are you bringing to your marketplace? You have to know who your marketplace is. And you have to understand, does your marketplace have the ability, are they willing and able to compensate you for your value? And so I, I think that's a great starting point. So first of all, don't just jump in. And I've got a phrase I've used for years. I don't, I don't take a risk, I make a risk. And let me tell you what I mean by that. I don't just jump out there. I mean, yeah, I jumped out there. I quit my job, started my business. I started, you know, I jumped out there and I decided I want to be a coach. But I, before I jumped, I had a vision of what I thought might, it might look like. So, for example, when I quit my job, even though it sounded very risky, it was risky, but I had a couple things that I knew were going to help me. Number one, I worked at the university for a few years. I had free housing, free education. I saved up some money. So when I quit my job, I had enough salary for two years to live on. And I knew that if I didn't have enough salary, I'd panic and I'd go back and take the first job. And so, again, I took a risk. No, well, yes, I did, but I made a risk. I had everything kind of set up so that I thought if I did fail, I had plan B. So if you're going to start your business, it's really good to have a great idea, but also to have a, a vision, a plan. And then I always suggest, you know, the best thing to do is don't quit your job like I did. I made the big mistake. Start your new business while you have your current business in a very short, small, quick way to get you thinking. So that's kind of the, maybe the long answer, Randy. You can follow up on that. I hope I answered your question. No, that, that was great. The part of that answer that really struck me was you need to have, you need to find a client base that is willing and able to pay you. So we see a lot of people wanting to help people who are willing to pay if only they had the dollars to do it with. And I think finding a market that is both willing and able is a central part, particularly when you're starting out. The second part that really hit me, you made a planned escape from from your your previous careers. You had cash in the bank. You had living arrangements. Uh, one of the things I see is people who go into business for themselves in any field don't have sufficient cash to enable them to make long-term decisions, so they tend to make really bad short-term decisions because mm -hmm. they need to survive. So those two points really struck me. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Kent, over to you. First person to ever say you're welcome out of how many episodes here, Randy? I, I'm, that's impressive. That's one other thing that the kids have forgotten how to say is you're welcome. They say, no problem. <laughs> it's all good, whatever, but not you're welcome. But I, I, I want to put you on the hot seat. Patrick, you're such a great guest that I want to, I want to ramp up the level here. So your brain seems warm. So let's, let's, let's test you out. So, okay. You've got your communicating with impact model. Love it. I, you know, I know it through and through, obviously. I'm wondering whether you can apply lessons from your childhood growing up, whether it be your parents, nuns, mentors, 
friends, any of that, all the way through your life, if you go from the I through the T with stories from your life, do you think you can, you think you can swing that? But you, you want me to try that right now? Just take uh, the, yeah, the six yeah, keys? Yeah. yeah. Well, ironically, Kent, because you know, you helped me with the book. I, I open up every chapter with a story in my in my book. And the thing that I think is really, really important for everybody listening is that whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, we all learn by observation. And from the early days when you're born, you're observing, you're observing your parents, you're observing other people. And you have what I call formal and informal mentors or guides. Uh, and and I've been very fortunate that I think because of my upbringing in a, you know, I grew up in a very small town, blue collar family, all four of my grandparents came to this country from Italy. You know, my parents spoke um, both Italian and English. And and so I think that that kind of cultural background really made me more aware and more observant. And I, I really kind of fine tuned that observation skill. Because, you know, when I visit my grandparents, they pretty much have used a lot of sign language because both my grandfathers worked in the steel mills, so they had to learn English, but both my grandmothers, they didn't. So they spoke a lot of Italian. So when I was talking with them, you know, they used a lot of gestures and I had to kind of like, okay, so, you know, if you, you know, if she says, do you want a cookie? She'd say, you worry, you worry biscotti. And she'd be using her hand gestures, pointing to her mouth thinking, you know, oh, okay, I think she wants me. Do I want to eat something? Yes, I do. So let's take the intention, right? And in the book, I actually tell a story I learned from my father-in-law about he was uh, meeting with, he was a banker and he was meeting with the CEO for a drug company and he was in the conference room and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and my father-in-law told me, he, you know, the CEO said, just a minute, Frank. He says, yes. And the guy walked in and he says, uh, sorry to interrupt, but we got a big problem. And the CEO said, uh, excuse me, young man, we don't have any problems here. We only have challenges now. I'd like you to go out and start over. And my father-in-law is like, what the heck? He's like, so he made the guy go out. The guy came back and he says, excuse me, I'm sorry, we have a big challenge. He goes, okay, what's the challenge? And so right away, when you think about the intention, it's, it's how you look at things. Is it a problem? Is it a challenge? So when you take a look at being you know, an entrepreneur or, or a business owner or a thought leader, do you see it as a, as a challenge or a problem or an opportunity, right? And the M is the message. So I, I mean, the story I love about the message is how important nonverbal communications are. And you know, we're, we're not being seen today. So our nonverbal happens to be our words, right? And our tone. And, and Ken, thank you for sharing that you don't hear people say you're welcome very often because that's one thing I learned growing up from my parents and grandparents is the whole idea of, of being polite and kind. And, and I think that something I like to do, it's not canned. It's just, I didn't even think about it. I'm just being you know grateful. And I will say one quick thing before I tell you about the M step. Um, one thing I have learned over the years is that we all have to be gracious and say thank you. Sometimes we want to blow it off. Oh, it's no big deal. No, no, that's all. No, when someone gives you a gift, you accept it, right? And when Randy said something nice, I wanted to accept it. So I said, you're welcome. So with the M step, I want to, just a quick story about nonverbal is, as you, as I just said, growing up, you know, I grew up in this Italian home. And I remember every Sunday we went to my grandparents' house. And usually at my, grand, at my dad's parents' house, there was the guys were in the basement, right, smoking cigarettes, drinking. And the women were upstairs having coffee and cookies. And I would float back and forth. And when I remember this like it was yesterday, I went upstairs one time and my grandmother was serving coffee to all the women. And I, I, I went upstairs because I like the cookies. Right. So so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden my grandmother puts a coffee cup in front of me. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm really young. I'm like, I don't drink coffee. And then she pours everybody coffee and she put milk in my coffee cup. 
and and that really stuck with me. And years years later, when I was writing my book, I was thinking about nonverbal, and I remembered that story. And I thought, you know, my grandmother was telling me, "You are one of us." In her own way, she made me feel included. Right? You know, that's a big phrase today, right? Diversity and inclusion. And and my grandmother, who had no education, she quit school like in second grade. She knew all about inclusion. So when we communicate, you know, it's very important to remember it's not just what you say, but how you say it. You want me to keep going? Oh, you can stop and ask me questions. No, that was enough. It's terrible. I can't. I can't listen. <laughs> I can't listen anymore. No, keep going. I, I'm. We're on a roll. This is. This yeah. is fun. Yeah. Well, the P. The P step is 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 the person. So we got the intention. We talked about the message. Now the person, and the person step has a lot to do with personality and, and personalizing the message. And being aware that, you know, everybody's different. We're not all the same. And that and I love this whole new movement we're talking about is embracing our differences. I grew up, you know, with the whole understanding of, of what it's like to be different. I had a sister who was mentally challenged. And so, you know, back in the and again, I'm older than probably both of you. But my sister was born in, in the late 40s and the 50s. But when I was growing up in the 1960s, it really wasn't very culturally accepted to have a mental illness. So I grew up with the sister who I had, you know, people would go over my house and I'd, I'd have to, you know, I was a little uncomfortable. I'll be upfront about having friends over because my sister was different, uh, but she was great. And I will tell you um, to this day, the reason I think I'm in this field of communicating is because of my sister. Uh, when I was little, I got a tape recorder for Christmas one year, but I was about 10 and I was so excited. I started like interviewing people in the house and I even went, I hid out of the table was like recording my parents arguing. I had to erase that tape, but but my sister would have, we'd be sitting at the kitchen table and I would interview her and she was such a great sport. And it was like, she was my practice. So when you think about the peace step, I think it's important for everybody to remember that we're all different. There's no good or bad, you know, and I talk a lot about knowing personality styles because when you're communicating, when you're a thought leader, you can't just send the same message to everybody, right? You need to personalize it to the receiver. Are they an introvert or an extrovert? Are they analytical or relational? You know, you want to have data, you want to have stories, you want to have energy, and, and they want to be a little quieter. And it's fun to watch you two because, you know, I think, Kent and Randy, I can see you both have a little different style, and I love that. So that's the peace step. So before Randy defends his age here, which he'll do in a second, I'm sure, <laughs> uh, I, I am a little younger than you, Patrick. But the beautiful story about your sister makes me realize I'm, I'm jumping the, the gun here a little because you're going to talk about checking for understanding in a bit, which is a huge, I use that all the time. And it's your phrase. There you are with your sister and you get this beautiful opportunity because she's, she's, she's responsive and she's, but you're checking for understanding constantly, which that's what we need to be doing with each other all the time. And we don't do it. We just roll on through. Anyway, I'm jumping yeah. the gun here, but. Yeah. Great, Randy. I, I think Kent wants you to say something. Yeah, I think that was a that was a, a hint. So I'm a business geek, and I play with numbers all the time. And if my math skills are correct, I've got a few years on you yet. So oh, well, <laughs> I'm a bit bit older than you. There, yeah, but. we're good for you because you, you don't look it. Oh, thank you. The listeners, <laughs> the listeners will trust me if I say both these guys are chiseled, yeah, and handsome. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, well, thank right. you. So, I'm going to so roll through the other three very quickly. <laughs> the A's is activate, right? So how do you become an active listener, and how do you actively engage people? And uh, both of those are critical. So you know, we talk about both. But th what I want to do is talk a little bit about engagement, because that's one of the biggest challenges today as we're working through the virtual world is how do we engage people? And I like the phrase engage people physically, mentally and emotionally. 
And so one thing that always stuck with me was how people would provide me with opportunities. And um, I'm going to get a little emotional for a minute because I will say that in the last 18 months, I've had a lot of introspection. Like a lot of people have been spending a lot of time thinking about themselves, about the world. And what I've been thinking about a lot is how grateful I am of all the great people I have in my world. And and so, um, like, you know, Kent, I mean, I wouldn't have a book right now if it wasn't for you, Kent. I mean, I've, I've been talking about a book and Kent knows it, it took me 10 years to get that book done. It would, I would never have the book if I didn't have somebody who would be there to help me. So when you want to think about, and this goes back to your question, Randy, about, you know, you can't do everything. And, and one of the things I like when I think about a great entrepreneur is to understand how to staff your weaknesses, right? Know what you're good at, know what you're not good at, and don't be afraid to reach out for help. And, um, you know, so activation has to, has to do with also being engaged and being engaged with yourself. And uh, being engaged with yourself means it's okay, you know, to, to get in touch with your emotions. I, again, I didn't plan on being emotional. It just came to me and I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I will say a couple years ago, I wouldn't have been okay with that. I'd have been stuffing all that down, but I think it's important to model these days that we're all kind of having, having a difficult time and it's okay to be emotional. Uh, so I've been more comfortable sharing my feelings and, and activating that side of me and letting people know what it's like if you're struggling. Uh, so activation, I want to just remind everybody is uh, just stay in touch with who you are and, and what you have and, and be grateful. The C-step is clarify, which Kent already talked about. You know, everybody thinks that the person who shares the message is in charge. Well, you know, it's not the case. It's the person who hears the message, right? You and I think, well, we're communicating today on this podcast and we're telling people these seven points. You know, people are going to get point 10 and point 11. We didn't even share, but, but, but what they hear is going to be interpreted by how they experienced life and who they are. So when you're communicating, you always want to make sure you check for understanding, right? Um, and then the T-step, to, to me, the T-step is, is like the secret sauce in my process because it's really about coaching. And I will, I will tell you, when I started writing the book, you know, the T-step was thank you. I think Kent probably knows that. And um, I didn't like that step, but I didn't know what else, other word for T. And I reached out asking for help, Randy, to some of my friends. And one of my friends is Jennifer Powers. And I said to Jennifer, Jennifer, would you mind help me take a look at this chapter? I really, I'm struggling. I don't know what to put in this T-step. And she read it and she came back and gave me some great insights. And the T-step moved from thank you to transformation. And it moved from not only transformation, but it moved from internal transformation and external transformation. And so what I want people to be aware of is, is that our beliefs drive our behaviors and our behaviors drive the results we get. And so when you're communicating, you want to be aware of what do you believe about what's going on and what does the receiver believe? And if you have to make a shift, you know, you want to think about shifting both because I'll tell you quickly, I do a lot of coaching with executives, people that get up in front of groups and speak, and I tend to focus on high-level leaders. And I can't tell you how many times I heard people say, well, you know, I know humor is important, but I'm not very funny. And I'll say to myself, well, of course you're not, because you don't think you are, you never will be. What do you mean by that? I said, well, if you don't believe you're funny, then first of all, you're never going to be funny because you're not going to try because you're afraid to fail. And second of all, you're going to assume that people think funny is not important. And, you know, right before the interview, I asked Randy, I said, Randy, give me some advice about what to do and what not to do. And he said, please be funny. <laughs> he said, we want we wanted people to be engaged. So in the T-step, I want to just remind everybody, the stories we tell ourselves sometimes were helpful but you know what? They're not as helpful maybe now as they used to be. And in the last 18 months, all of us have to revisit the stories we told ourselves and make sure they're still true and relevant.
So I have to, I'm going to jump in just before Kent and, and say thank you, Patrick, because I didn't realize it, but I have taken to using check for understanding with my private clients. I actually used it yesterday in a, in a meeting with my private clients. Prior to hearing that term, which Kent shared with me, I wasn't aware it came from you. I'd never really put much thought into that. So you need to send me an invoice for your royalties for taking that, that term. I, I love it. I think it's awesome. So uh, I'll give you his address, Patrick. <laughs> uh, and and um, so moving, Patrick. I, I didn't realize what kind of kraken I was unleashing there. Beautiful. Neither did I, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I want to actually get back to the nuns when you're growing up to kind of close us out. Just to tell the story, the funniest thing about working on Patrick's book was about accountability. And I was just, you know, I was younger and just kind of cheeky. And I was like, ah, oh, so what, what makes you afraid? And he's like, I don't know, um, the nuns when I was in school? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, so I said, print one out. And so Patrick did, and he put it on his computer <laughs> for a couple months anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, but thinking back to the nuns and kind of how you were shaped um, and how people are growing up today. Um, what's your what's your view towards the future and how people uh, can kind of better themselves, be better yeah. communicators, up-level themselves, whatever yeah. you want to call it? Well, Kent, that, it was kind of funny when you shared that nun picture with me because I think what you were doing was really, really helpful. And that is we all have to have somebody. Did I find the nun? Pardon me? Did I actually find the nun? I think I you sent one? me a nun picture oh, the first goodness. one. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I have it. I, I've hidden it now because I don't need it, and it's kind of scary, but I use it occasionally. But but I think really the whole point of that exercise, Kent, was you were trying to hold me accountable. And people are motivated by two things, pain or pleasure, right? In that case, I needed a little bit of pain. I needed you know to be focused on what would be the downside of me not getting the book done. You know, what would be the pain? And so for fun, you know, again, I look, I grew up in a Catholic home. I went to Catholic school up until eighth grade. I would have went to Catholic high school, except I, we couldn't afford it because I was in a blue collar family. Um, yeah, you know, the nuns were different back then. And there were some things that probably they did, like a lot of teachers that were probably a little harsh. But on the same token, I think th the thing that I found most helpful was that they instilled a culture in me that stuck with me the rest of my life. And that is the culture of, you know, being accountable and doing a good job and making sure you try your best. And so for me, I think that was the pain motivator, but there's also a pleasure motivator. And I just want to encourage everybody, you got to do whatever works, but do both. But I think some people focus too much on the pleasure to be motivated and not enough on the pain and vice versa. Uh, and, and as a coach, you know, that's, that's part of our job sometimes is to figure out what's the best motivator for that person. I like to always say what gets rewarded gets repeated. So when I'm working with clients, I always tell my coachee's boss, whoever the person is that brought me in, I said, listen, do me a favor. I'm not with that person all the time. But when you see them doing anything good in the areas we're trying to work on, do me a favor and just compliment them so they know that they're being seen and they're doing behave good behavior. And so, again, pain and pleasure on the pain side. Uh, sometimes you have to have a tough love. And I've had those kind of conversations with my clients also. Uh, because I find that, you know, they need to have a little bit of, uh, this is probably a politically incorrect word, you know, but 
hit over the head with a two by four, which we should never do. I'm not saying that's really, but I mean, that's Wait, the phrase we had growing ask, up, right? I shouldn't ask why that's politically incorrect. Well, you don't want to hit people with a two by four, I, but the metaphor is oh, you want good. to wake them up. <laughs> and, yeah. and sometimes, you know, um, all the pleasure doesn't wake people up, sometimes a little bit of pain. And, and part of the reason I think, if you're a thought leader, by the way, you, you, you can't be a thought leader unless you had some kind of pain. You know, thought leaders really get better because they've been through challenging times and they help our constituents understand how to avoid some of the things that we had to deal with. So that's kind of the, the long answer to uh, the nun story. Well, Patrick, unfortunately, my producer is threatening me with a great deal of pain if we don't end this, <laughs> this interview shortly. So I was thinking about pain and pleasure. I was thinking about there's lots of people out there that are suffering pain and need the pleasure of working with the sage on the stage or the guide by your side or perhaps the champion of communication. Um, how can those people reach you and exactly which people would you like to talk to? Well, thank you for asking, Randy. If anybody wants to reach me, it's very easy. My website is patrickdonadio.com. It's P-A-T-R-I-C-K. D-O-N-A-D-I-O, or you just email me, Patrick at PatrickDonadio.com, and that's the quickest way to reach me. And, and you know, anybody who really is a, is a leader who works for an organization who wants to take their skill set to the next level is somebody I'd like to work with. I don't work a lot with entrepreneurs. I usually work more with uh, corporate uh, and larger companies, only because that's my strength and area right now. But I'm always open to sharing insights or information with anybody. So if somebody wants to reach out to me and would love you know, to ask me a quick question by email or wants to get a copy of an article I've written on, on the topics of listening skills or you know, presentations, I'm happy to share any of that content with them. Thanks so much for chatting with us, Patrick. Uh, you've been a great friend to me and mentor. And uh, it was really neat to see you open up here. This was, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. And Randy, nice meeting you, and I wish to both of you all the best as you continue making an impact in the kind of folks you work with. Well, Patrick, that was a, indeed a, a pleasure and an honor to have you come on our show. I thought that I knew a lot about a lot of things, and I guess that was my ego speaking, because you managed to open my eyes to a whole lot of new ways of thinking. And I think from, from the perspective of communication, it's, it's crazy how badly most people communicate, including ourselves. Uh, I was going to make a joke, but then you got me with that phrase about the not communicating well, which made me nervous about the joke I was about to tell. So I won't do that, but I, but I will talk about our brand new program, which I'm pretty excited about, um, includes an X and anything that includes an X, well, not anything, but a lot of things that include X's can be quite exciting, like TEDx or what's another one? I don't know, some things with X's, but if you're interested in something that has an X in it, Randy will tell you about it. We have this new thing called ResonateEngine.com, which is interesting and everybody listening to this podcast should go and check it out. But we're working on something called Resonate X. And that is something you should all check out. But I don't know whether it's live yet. I think it is. If it's not, you know, I don't know, stumble across some hidden folders of value and be able to hack our entire system. Uh, <laughs> 
So, so what you're saying is people should go to resonatex.com yeah. yep. and see what they can find. Yep. Yep. Gird your loins, get ready. Um, you know, uh, lace up your bootstraps. What are some more? Get ready. Well, for some people, it could even be cutting the teeth. Thank you.